Good morning, Lansing. It's Saturday, it's 9 a.m., and the pet experts are in the building. This is the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS and 1320WILS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen. Welcome, pet keepers, to this week's MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-host, the pet expert himself, Mr. Rick Pruce. Good morning, Rick. Lee Cohen. What are you doing these days? Oh, Rick, I am doing everything I can to keep the radio station happy and to keep my family at home happy <laughs> and to keep my dog happy. And all of those are not easy things to do. <laughs> yeah, for those listening in, if if you don't know, not only is Lee this uh, great host on the uh, radio show, but uh, he's also a sales rep for the radio station and uh, does a great job of it. So, I, you know, we never mention that. And probably people that listen in don't even realize that. They just think you're that guy that knows quite a bit about pets and keeps suggesting that he's not a pet expert. <laughs> well, uh, whatever you know uh, or whatever you think, I'm grateful for the kind thoughts that I do get from so many of you. <laughs> but, Rick, for this week's show, uh, it's an interesting show, and I'm going to say that a lot of it is driven from some reading that I was doing because I happen to be uh, looking on Facebook under David Fry, uh, one of our regular guests okay. who is, for those of you who don't know, he is arguably one of the most important people in the world when it comes to dogs. I mean, I, I, I don't know how many people are greater experts than him, but he literally hosts a show on Thanksgiving Day that draws 20 to 30 million viewers into the show. And he did the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show for a quarter of a century, and he put a Facebook post about service dogs and some of the problems that the world is having integrating service dogs and emotional support dogs and the rules that go by them. And it's really a, a pretty important issue. Well, we do know that commonly we hear complaints, essentially from both sides, of individuals that one might feel abuses the system, and there's not really a defined system set up. So there's individuals that you hear about and some of the most loud and uh, outrageous, you know, if somebody wants to get their turkey to go on the plane with them because it's an emotional support animal. So um, I think he's coming from the flavor of he sees a tremendous amount of purposeful dogs and their responsibility to their owners and the interference that not having a well-defined let's play by the book, let's let's play by the rules, let's define it such that those people that really need help can get the help. Right. Well, David is someone who, for many of you who probably don't know it, has been very involved with therapy dogs in his lifetime. Uh, he wrote a book 
probably 10, 15 years ago that was all about therapy dogs. Uh, it was called Angel on a Leash, Therapy Dogs and the Lives They Touch. And it was basically his story of being at Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York City and the Ronald McDonald House with his therapy dogs. And he has seen firsthand the good that this can do. The problem becomes that for many of us, our dogs are our emotional support animals. I, I know with certainty my wife doesn't like going anywhere without having the dog with her. But at the same yeah. time, there are limits to where you can take your dog and whether you know it or not, sometimes by you having your dog, it may impact other people's ability to have their dogs and, frankly, their, na their need for the dog may be a little bit greater than yours. So it'll be I'll be curious to get in a conversation with Dave because what I'd really like to know is where he sees the, the – um, I don't think it's splitting of the hair. It's almost like, you know, splitting of the rivers, mm -hmm. you know, wh which where, – where do we define things and help him def let us see the clear vision that he sees because he does this for a living. He does this for an understanding. He does this for like a, a strong sense of uh, purpose and definition in his life. I'd really like to listen to him and just really understand it from his perspective because I think he'll give us a candid – but clear definition so that when we move forward, maybe we have a little bit better understanding of, you know, at least a position and a position that probably represents a majority of those that are really looking to do the right thing. Right. No question about it. And Rick, to help us understand the whole thing, we also have another guest coming on. His name is Evan Goldfarb, and he lives out in Palm Springs, California. And it just so happens he is going through the process right now of getting his dog Pebbles trained as a therapy dog. And there are a series of steps that he is having to go through with it. So we'll hear from Evan and find out what it is that he's doing and why he chose to do it and what his expectations are. So it's going to be an interesting conversation about therapy and service dogs this week on the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. Chase parked cars. Never met Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen. They're back on the Mid Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show, 1320 WILS. We're back here with the Mid Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And we have with us on the line a guest who everyone, if they haven't seen him, they've definitely heard him because his voice will always stand out. It's David Fry, who happens to be the host of the National Dog Show on Thanksgiving Day. He was the voice of the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show for a quarter of a century. And what you may not know about him is he's also the author of several books, one of which, Angel on a Leash, Therapy Dogs, and the Lives They Touch, were that we're going to deal with today. Welcome back to the show, David. 
Thank you, Lee. Always great to be on with you. Thanks for the opportunity. Oh, it's our pleasure. And David, to begin with, uh, let's just uh, break the bad news to everyone. If they were looking forward to an Easter dog show, it's not going to be on this year, but it is going to come back, correct? Well, yes, it was a victim a bit of the pandemic and, and the timing of it. Uh, NBC, of course, has broadcast the show, uh, which is the Canada Beverly Hills dog show. Um, they were, of course, coming off doing the Olympics in China and also the Super Bowl in L.A. And the crew that we use for, for the dog show in Beverly Hills is the crew that comes back from the Olympics. And this year, coming back from China, um, NBC didn't feel comfortable with unloading those, offloading their people into, uh, into the real population in, in L.A. at this point. And they thought that that, along with uh, all the things that were going on in their world, that they would not do the broadcast this year, of course, not the least of which was the pandemic. But, um, but, but we're going to do it next year full speed with Purina's help as a sponsor and, and the Beverly Hills Dog Show sometime in the spring, exact date to be determined. But, yeah, we miss it. We wish it was still there. We'll get it back. Um, we've done it for since 2017 now, and, um, and we'll make it happen. Well, but they will see you on Thanksgiving Day because I'm sorry, but the turkey just doesn't taste the same without the dogs. <laughs> sorry, that's good. It's all because- good. Thank you for that. We, we've, uh, you know, we just did our 20th year of the National Dog Show. John O'Hurley and me as partners for 20 years. Um, that's amazing in the TV world. What's also amazing is the numbers that we continue to get. We had 25 million people watch us in spite of the pandemic this year. So um, we're very proud of that. And and, uh, and and it's by far the most widely watched dog show on television. And we're, we're very proud of that. Well, it's always something that I think a lot of people look forward to. But, David, the reason I wanted to have you on today uh, was to deal with something else that most people are not familiar with, that having uh, been friends with you on Facebook for several years, uh, I've observed, and it has to do with Angel on a Leash, which is an organization as well as a book that you wrote. Uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what Angel on a Leash is and how you got started with it and kind of what it's all about? Well, Angel on a Leash itself was, was created as a therapy dog organization to create therapy dog programs and administer them in healthcare facilities, uh, mostly in New York when we started up and, and, and spreading out all over the country. But it's basically for therapy dogs, uh, getting them into healthcare facilities. A therapy dog is a dog that works with a human as its partner and, and the human and the dog visit people in need in healthcare facilities uh, for whatever, whatever the issue may be, Grace uh, or my Brittany's and I started visiting in a daily boucher, which was an AIDS hospice here in Seattle uh, when we first started visiting. And then when we went to New York, we were, got very involved with the Ronald McDonald House and all the kids there, the kids with cancer. And, uh, and, and Grace and I would go to visit the VA hospital every Wednesday. And, and, and our dogs were the first dogs ever allowed in the famous Sloan Kettering Cancer Center uh, in New York. So you get there, and whether you just get somebody to smile, that's, that's the therapy dog thing. If they smile, if, if, they talk, if they talk when they haven't been able to talk for a while or haven't had anything they felt like talking about, 
um, get them to think about something other than the challenges they may be facing, that, then you've done your job as a therapy dog team. And, and uh, we're very proud of the work that our dogs do with Angel on a Leash. Um, the book is also about some of my Westminster adventures as well, but um, mostly it's about the therapy dogs and the great things they do for people. Well, I can tell you that having witnessed, uh, I'll never forget it. I was sitting in a senior care facility, and there were several older people that were sitting up in the front area in wheelchairs. And one woman in particular struck me because to say that it was as if she was lifeless as she was sitting there would be an accurate thing to say. And then all of a sudden, one of the therapy dogs that was there came wandering up to this woman, and it was as if life had been put back into her as she reached to touch the dog and to begin petting the dog, and the nurse lifted the dog up and put it in her lap, and it was as if she was a human being again until the dog wanted to get down and they took the dog off of her lap and she went back almost into a lifeless state. And I was absolutely floored by seeing that difference. It was amazing. It's a beautiful thing. And I, and I lead off most of the times when I'm speaking around the country, I lead off with when a dog walks into the room, the energy changes. Well, again, you get somebody to smile, get somebody to talk, get somebody to take a step. Um, I, I did a lot of work at the Ronald McDonald House in, in New York City, and Bill Sullivan, who was the CEO there and really became my, one of my mentors through all of the work with those kids, um, he said it all the time. When you, you're working with these kids with cancer, and they, they're there from all over the world, um, but you're working with one of these kids with cancer, and they're used to going off during the day and, and having people poke and prod them and, and make them do things that, that may not be very comfortable to them, whether it's just moving an arm or doing something. Uh, but Bill says, when, when you make a child smile, uh, you've made it happen because then you're going to, that makes the parents smile and that gets them all going. So, uh, that really is what it's all about. And, uh, we're happy to do what we can. We're working in the moment, obviously, because I can't cure these kids. Um, but I think by, by uplifting their spirits, we're giving them, we're giving them a leg up on, on, uh, on their day and on their moment. Right. Now, David, you, you described therapy dogs and what they do. Can you clarify just so uh, everyone can understand how service dogs and emotional support dogs are different than therapy dogs? Sure. A, a service dog is a dog that, that works with its human partner to help that human partner lead a normal life and get through its day, whether it's walking around as maybe a guide dog for the blind or a mobility assistance dog or a seizure alert dog, um, you know, diabetic seizures, uh, dogs can alert on that, or hearing assistance dogs. They could do, I could go on forever about all the great things that dogs do for us. Whether it's I drop my keys on the floor and I can't pick them up, the dog can pick them up for me. Um, that's what a service dog does. It's, he is involved with one person and one person only and and helps them lead a normal life as, as normal as they can. Emotional support dogs, it's a, it's a whole different thing with emotional support dogs because originally emotional support dogs were kind of a, a branch of, of service dogs in that we see it especially these days uh, with the emphasis on, uh, on our returning veterans that the emotional support dogs and their involvement in helping these people 
deal with uh, deal with uh, uh, PSD, PSTD, SPTD. What is it? PTSD. Um, <laughs> PTSD. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Uh, PTSD. Helping them deal with that, and it, it helps support these people um, and, and as an emotional support dog, and not and not to belittle what they do. But the reality is that all dogs, in a sense, are emotional support dogs. My dogs are emotional support dogs for me. And, and what happens now is because the government doesn't have a system of, of identifying these dogs, giving them ID cards, and making them take tests to show that they really do what they say they do, uh, because there's really no way to do that. So, so it, it comes to rely on the honesty of the people who have the dogs. And what's happened through the years is that too many unscrupulous people have taken advantage of those rules and, and claim that their dog is an emotional support dog and should be able to go anywhere with them. And, and I, they are probably people, not probably, they are often people who, who just want to take their dog with them. They, don't, they want to take their dog on an airplane and not have to pay the $200 or whatever it is. They, they want to take their dog on an airplane and not have to ship them in in the luggage bin because they're because they're too big to be in the cabin and it just um, is unfair to the people who have legitimate dogs with legitimate needs to be with their people when the airplane says we've already got five dogs on this on in the cabin and we can't take any more that's the rule well if three of those dogs are dogs that are not legitimate then then you can see what the problem is they're squeezing out the dogs that really have a right to be there. And and worse, they they're making it difficult on the people who count on those dogs to be with them all the time. And so probably they have to make a line in the sand, and they can make a rule that's there's no there can have no emotional support dogs or animals, uh, or and and that creates an issue because there are probably legitimate individuals that could use that opportunity, but because the line has to be defined as you know, yes or no, because of the ambiguity, you know, the emotional part of it is what brings all the problem, you know, how absolutely you, you have no idea what my emotion, emotional problems are, nor, nor do you want to, you know, <laughs> and, 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 and nor, nor is there any easy way of, of, of separating that. Is that something that can be done? Well, there well, really isn't because first of all, uh, a service, so many service dogs are, are self-trained. They learn how to how to react and take care of their people without any formal training. Mike Langensolver, a guy that I co-wrote a book with called The Angel by My Side, uh, had a golden retriever that was that he brought on as his therapy dog to help him. He had a heart issue to help him motivate Mike to go out for walks and do things. And eventually, this dog figured out what was wrong with Mike, and he could alert on Mike ten minutes before he was going to have an unstable angina attack, a heart attack so that Mike could take his medicines early before Mike could feel it himself. He could take his medicines early, and it would head off the worst effects of, of the attack. So, But the dog didn't have any formal training. Nobody's going to sign an ID card or a diploma or something saying, this dog's an official service dog, because you just can't do that with service dogs. That's why the law says, all you can ask them is, is this your service dog? And and that's the way, that's the way it works. And it, it, again... It, it allows people who have problems, who have issues that, that need help from service dogs, it allows them to lead a somewhat normal life because they don't have to identify themselves and stand out with a big sign on them saying, I have a problem, I need this dog for my problem. But rather, 
they can lead a normal life with the dog at their side and, and not have to face those kinds of things. The problem comes when people say, this is my emotional support dog. Well, lately the government has been starting to clamp down on those of the government and the airlines, and most notably, have started to clamp down on that and, and say you have to have a letter from your doctor. And, and that's a start. It's not going to solve all of the problems because, because it, it, it's more than just a letter from your doctor. And it, uh, it's, it's the fact that you've taken the space away from people who need it. And that's, and that's what it's all about. We're talking this morning with David Fry, who is the host of the America's Thanksgiving Day Dog Show and an author of several books on dogs. And David, we need to take a quick break. But when we come back from the break, we'll talk a little bit about some of the benefits of getting your dog involved with uh, therapy and service work and how you can do it. And we'll talk about that right here on 1320 WILS. Welcome back to the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. It's 9.35 and we're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And we've been talking this morning with David Fry, who is with NBC and uh, he also is the author of books regarding therapy dogs. And David, let's talk a little bit about that whole thing. What motivated you to get started with therapy dogs? I mean, how did this whole thing come about for you? Was it just an idea that you had or uh, was it something that you had heard about? I mean, describe that whole journey that that you went on because this is probably 20, 30 years ago, I'm guessing. It is over 20 years ago, but um, I was living in Seattle and Seattle is the home of Delta Society, the, the great therapy dog organization that that uh, I came to be involved with uh, uh, doing some PR for them while they were doing some awards. And, and then from that, uh, it was about the time that I met Sherry, who, uh, who was very involved with therapy dogs. She had just quit her high-paying job at Starbucks as a, as a product, in product development. She's a chemist. She has a master's in chemistry, God bless her. And, uh, and she was very involved with these dogs, with therapy dogs, and had quit her job and gone back to school uh, to theology school to get her master's in theology. So she was writing her master's thesis on animal-assisted therapy. And so I became her dog wrangler. When, you know, when she gave her presentation to her classmates, um, I would bring the dogs with to sort of demonstrate what we were talking about. But, um, so I got very involved then, and, and that's when I started visiting. And about, about two years after that is when we moved to New York, um, to work for the AKC and for the Westminster Kennel Club, and and we were able to expand there because with uh, we created Angel on a Leash, and and from there uh, took it into a national organization, national five hundred one c three charity, and did lots of great things with these dogs. And and it's um, I'm not I'm not bragging to say we did lots of great things. I just the dogs do lots of great things. I say this to people all the time when they say something to me about like, oh wow, you're great, you do this, you do this. I said I don't do it, my dogs do it. I'm the I'm the transport and the treat carrier, and I get the dogs there, and they make people smile, and make people laugh, and make people think about, 
you know, something different than what they're going through every day. And, and, and that's, that's what this is all about. So yeah. And in, in practicality, in practicality, yes, you are right. They are the, they are the ones that are doing all of this, but realistically, none of that happens unless we collectively accept and understand the value and the power of that. And then, you know, use the skill sets that we have, you know, and it may not be a chemist, yeah. but it might very well be an organized mind in the case, in your case, where you can actually, and, and clout that you have that allows that would go other directions to say, Hey, no, this is an important topic. Let's make something like this work. We've got the workforce out there. How do we employ it? See, I am truly blessed because I have, I've been blessed with a platform to tell these stories and to, and to recruit people to become therapy dog teams uh, with their dog and to do great things for people in need. And that's, uh, it, it, I was able to do that because of 27 years at Westminster, 20 years at the National Dog Show, uh, and just being a, a voice and a presence for purebred dogs and all dogs everywhere, uh, I think, in the country. And and that's what has made my life worth worth leading, and and uh, I'm, I'm blessed with that. And, and along the way, uh, it's not just that I've got other people involved. Along the way, uh, my own therapy dogs have changed my life. They change people's lives, but they change my life every day. And it, and I, you know, when we when I had um, Ty and Bell, my first Britneys that Sherry brought me, um, doing things, uh, we would kind of laugh because I would say something like, "Well, what would Bell do?" You know, what would Bell want me to do here? And we would walk down the street in New York City and run into people. We'd walk by a church on Park Avenue and walk, walk into work sometimes, and there's guys sleeping on cardboard out in the courtyard next to the church on Park Avenue, of all places. And, and, and we would in a, go interact with them. One day a guy whistled at us as we were walking by, and we hadn't had any interaction with them. And, and uh, so I took Bell over, and we interacted with this guy, and he started talking to me about, you know, he's obviously down on the clock, the homeless guy, but he, but he talked about when uh, the days when he had his own dog and he was doing great things with his, with his, had his own dog to do things with. Um, so that was beautiful. And then the next day or a couple of days later, whatever, I'm walking by again, but I'm not taking the dog to work that day. And the guy sees me and gives me a wave and I go over and talk to him. Now, would I have ever done, would I have done that <laughs> if I, if I hadn't had that introduction from Bell? Maybe right. not. But but by Bell breaking down that barrier and saying, you know what, these guys these guys are normal people. Yeah. I'm going to come out and I'm going to talk to them. And so we spent a lot of time uh, with a ministry of the streets, so to speak, and um, and we're just blessed to be able to to give get people to smile. That's yeah. all it takes. Common thread of humanity, definitely. And, and and what what an opportunity that 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 a pet. Um, you know, walking down the street with an animal, changing the whole direction of <laughs> of what happens. Now, can you do me a favor? Sherry says, Sherry says it all the time. She used to say, you know, we wouldn't know anybody in New York if we didn't have dogs. <laughs> well, that might not be exactly true, but, but we sure met a lot of people with, with dogs. We met some of the top people in society who were just, you know, like me, early, on a, early in the morning walking around in sweatpants and a T-shirt with their dog going to the bodega to get a cup of coffee, and, and then he's going to come back and get dressed and go to his job as one of the top attorneys in New York City, my friend Bernard, Bernard Clare. And, uh, and he was, the, he was the early, one of the early chapters in my book, I think the first chapter in my book, where we were talking about his dog getting older and moving a little slower. And I said, I guess you don't have to be in a hurry to get to work these days. And he says, you know, he says, uh, Scout has taught me that, 
you see a lot more if you go slow. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, you know, that's that's, that's wisdom. That is wisdom. So that's what we learn from our dogs, those kinds of things. A lot more. Can can you at least for the for most of us that kind of are right you know life is right in front of us um, being connected with the dog world, you've you've made twenty thirty years of uh, you've witnessed twenty thirty years of change probably progress in the case of service dogs and um, you know whether it's emotional support what's the landscape out there now compared to what it was twenty thirty years ago as far as Collectively, what do we see these dogs as, and and has there been a substantial shift in in how we look at them? I think there's a greater understanding of what the role of service dogs may be, and and I think that's been brought on by a number of things, uh, not the least of which is the involvement with with uh, of our dogs with veterans coming back from the war. Grace and I would go to the VA hospital, as I said, every Wednesday. And she would work with the physical therapists and the occupational therapists who were working with their patients. And often she's helping the therapist teach someone how to use a new prosthetic limb that they just got. And she stands right there with them and helps them do things that they wouldn't normally do. The therapist would say to me, geez, your dog just got her to do, got him to do something in five minutes that I've been working on him all week to do. And he hasn't done it yet. But with you, it's fun. It's not range of motion exercises. It's not doing this or doing <laughs> that, something that may be tough or not fun. What it is is I put a brush in the guy's hand, and he brushes the dog. I give him a treat. He holds his arm down, his prosthetic limb, holds his arm down, when gives a treat to the dog, reaches down, pets the dog, um, learns how to take a step with a, new, with a new leg. And I'm not, we're not miracle workers. This is all coming about because of these great therapists that work out there that the occupational and physical therapists that we worked with at Walter at uh, at the VA hospital were amazing, but um, but just to be able to do something like that, that's a pretty practical application of what a therapy dog can do. Yeah, I'm thinking also uh, something that wouldn't have been 20 years ago that is common now: schools embracing the idea of a of a dog being in the environment to change the atmosphere, or a hospital courts as well. The court well, system, too. In courts as well. You're right. Well, kids, when they bring kids in to testify in court and they're scared to death, you have a dog there for them. They have dogs there for them to help them relax a little bit before they go in and have to do something that, that's pretty tough on a six-year-old kid or a 10-year-old kid that, um, that we're here to help and help you and we'll, we'll protect you. Uh, we'll show you that life can be pretty normal because you're here with a dog and not just in some big old building with a, with a courtroom in it. And uh, and the dogs are good for that. I, I I humorly think in my mind, you know, we think of dogs, and we think of squirrel, you know, and <laughs> and that's what I'm thinking spell about. That. You, that, that, you gotta, this is you got to sp- you got to spell that word in my house. You can't say <laughs> you squirrel. Can't say it. <laughs> well, I, in, in quick, it. my only thought is that. Dogs are our squirrel. It kind of gives us a chance to kind of change our energy or our emotions. Like for that child that's in the court, you know, squirrel, here's a, here's a dog, you know, take yeah. the, all this tension and all the stress and all the difficulties away from his life for just that moment. It goes back to my line about when a dog walks into the room, the energy changes. And that's really what that does. Because the kid now, instead of being scared, they're saying, hey, there's a friend. I got a friend here. Really? So I'm going to be okay. And that's, that's what the, the dogs in courtrooms do. But it's also what the dogs 
in healthcare facilities do because they're kids that are scared to death in hospitals and, and they're living their lives in the moment. Well, so do dogs. And so when the dogs are there and happy and wagging their tail, the kids are going to be happy too. And that's, and that's going to make it all come together. Well, David, thank you so much for coming on with us. When you're on, it makes us happy because it (laughs) makes our job easy, and we know that the information is going to be great. So thank you very much, and uh, hopefully we will get a chance to chat again toward the end of the year, uh, right around Thanksgiving time. Let's do that. (laughs) All right. We'll do that. Thank you for for having me on. Um, God bless you guys. Uh, Keep uh, hugging your dogs every day. Thank them every day for letting you be the person on the other end of their leash. Well, thank you. Uh, We've been talking with David Fry, and uh, we'll be back right here on 1320 WILS. Welcome back to the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. We're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and Rick, we have with us on the line a first-time guest. His name is Evan Goldfarb, and he's coming to us from Palm Springs, California. Now, Evan is not someone who does not know MidMichigan. I will tell you, he's from Michigan originally. I knew Evan in college at Michigan State, so he's even spent quite a bit of time here in the East Lansing area. So. Uh, he is someone who has an interesting perspective on this. Welcome to the show, Evan. Thank you, Lee, very much. Very glad to be here with you. Oh, it's our pleasure to have you. Evan, the reason I contacted you about this is I saw a story uh, on your Facebook feed about you and your dog Pebbles and the fact that you and she were going through the process of getting her certified as a therapy dog so that she could do good in the community and you as well. I'm sure Pebbles will steal the show, but it will be both of you doing it. But to begin with, can you share with our audience, tell us about Pebbles. What kind of a dog is she? How old is she? Uh, What's she like? Yeah, thank you. So Pebbles is just the epitome of, of a loving dog. I adopted her from a wonderful animal sanctuary about an hour away from me in Idlewild called the Living Free Animal Sanctuary. Great organization. I adopted her uh, over three years ago, and I'll never forget. I said, hey, I want to look look at some chihuahuas because I wanted a small dog that I could take with me. And they let a ton of them out of the gate, and Pebbles just ran out, ran, jumped right in my lap, sat there, and didn't leave. So it took about all of 60 seconds for Pebbles to choose me as her dad, and I'm glad she did. And, you know, when you adopt a dog, you really don't know what you're getting. And it's funny. I, I did not know that Chihuahuas, when I adopted Pebbles, had kind of the uh, history of, of uh, being barkers and, you know, lots of running around where I was really looking for a chill dog. And I got very lucky in that Pebbles is neither of those things. She's barked uh, uh, three times since I've owned her, which Aaron Lynch does because I don't expect it. Um, and she's she's just chill in love. Hmm. And I learned, you know, as I began taking pebbles with me to the grocery store or a restaurant, wherever the case may be, people were drawn to her. And maybe it's because when I carry her around, she kind of sits in my arm. Um, and, you know, she's curious. She's looking around. But the, the number of people that approach us when we are out and about it is just 
surprising and staggering, actually. People just want to come up and, and touch pens. And I've got a lot of friends who, uh, who knew that and, and saw that. And one particular friend, her name is Julie, she said, you know, Pebs could be a great candidate for uh, a canine therapy dog. And she works with an organization here in Palm Springs called Animal Samaritans, which is a shelter. It's a hospital. They do volunteer work, et cetera. Um, and I kind of thought about it, and I didn't really do much about it. One time, not terribly long ago, standing at my grocery store at the bakery and just looking at stuff and I'm holding pebs and this older woman must be in her eighties, very wrinkly skin. You could tell she's just old shuffled over. She didn't say anything and she just stuck her hand out and she dug it into pebbles fur on her back and she didn't let go. And I didn't do anything. I mean, she wasn't causing any harm, but I, I, watched her. This was all in virtually slow motion. I watched her. And, and it looked like she had an epiphany. Um, that she probably hadn't had the power of touch in any way in a very long time. That's what clicked me into Pebbles has healing powers. This girl needs to go out and uh, and help people. And, and that's what started the journey. Yeah, you know, we I, I find it interesting because there's a number of pathways people take with their dogs when they come into the store, and it's anything from exactly what you experience there to, you know, frustration because people keep coming up and wanting to touch their dog. But I can tell you that as an energy, as a almost an energy force, almost like how you are when you see a baby come into the room and all the pretenses and and cautions go by the wind and you know it's almost as if you know that baby is free uh, you know you know emotionally speaking everybody wanting to be part of that baby and probably drops a lot of the 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 normal protocols that's, 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 i think yeah. that's exactly right and, and that's the way it is with pets you know when when you yeah. pop into a room with an animal the people that are in the room don't necessarily think of it it's almost like it's instinctual within our heads that we need to be part of that energy that that pet is putting out and we don't you know we don't normally do that with a well we certainly wouldn't do that with a 15 year old child you know <laughs> not legally <laughs> yeah that so, might be a little awkward yeah but that's the point i'm saying is that the things that we have as normal protocols and structures and and like you know defined understandings of the way society should run just fall apart when we're talking about pets and maybe it shouldn't just fall apart, but it should be recognized and understood that that's just an incredible amount of energy that people need. I mean, the way you describe that with the woman that, you know, what, a, how, how can you better define compassion, right? Yeah. To get somebody where they're really at, you know, that woman has probably been to some extent ostracized or separated or isolated isolated right. or you know kept within her own mind and 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 you know she's just as much of a <laughs> need for an emotional support as everyone else that's right now and, you know it, it, it's really not an easy process so uh, Peb's had to pass a uh, uh, what's called a canine good citizen test which is an AKC. American Kennel Club test uh, done by an AKC evaluator, um, which is both behavioral as well as, <clears throat> excuse me, obedience. 
Uh, and fortunately, she passed uh, on, on all of the items as, as the test. So now Pebbles is a title. I don't have a title, but when Pebbles <laughs> signs her paw print, it's Pebbles CGC, Canine Good Citizen. Nice, nice. And now, is there levels that you go with that? Is she at the, is there any other, like, you know, further training or? Yeah, what is the process to become officially the therapy dog that you're hoping she will be? Yeah, so um, she passed passed the test uh, that, uh, uh, that she needed to. And then, so she's registered with the AKC uh, with with that title. And then the last step is a temperament test um, that is done by an evaluator here also locally. And we've got that scheduled for uh, a couple weeks out. And then uh, once she passes that test, then she'll be uh, fully registered and ready to go. And, you know, there are, uh, you know, I was surprised at how many um, organizations go to Animal Samaritans and say, hey, we'd like your help in bringing a therapy dog for this, that, or the other thing. So I think there's a lot of opportunity out there with nursing homes, hospice, uh, even schools who want to kind of socialize kids to uh, to dogs. Well, inevitably, it affects your life, too, because I would assume that uh, the dog goes where you go. Is that true? Yes. Yes. So, yeah. so, so I, I I, you have a life. What yeah. do you envision you and Pebbles doing, or not doing for that matter, as a uh, therapy dog and partner? Well, I, you know, I'd like to spend as much time as I, I can doing it. I, I'm still working full-time, so it's not like I'm going to be able to take off from, uh, you know, 10 to 1 on a, a weekday to go to it, but there are lots of opportunities uh, on weekends, um, you know, late in the day, early in the morning, etc. So, you know, you is a professional, you can rearrange your schedule to be able to spend an hour here or there uh, doing things like that. My company, uh, uh, I work for Experian, one of the major credit bureaus, and uh, uh, they encourage their employees to uh, volunteer and provide volunteer hours that we as employees can take to go uh, do things like this, which is terrific. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of investing heavily that uh, Pebs is going to be a superstar in doing this, and I want to uh, do it as frequently as I can. Well, Evan, I, I hate to say it, but I'm afraid we're out of time. But I want to thank you so much for sharing your story with Pebbles, and I hope you will continue to post about it because it's a very honorable thing that you're doing, and it will make a huge difference in people's life. That I can guarantee you. So thank you so much, Evan Goldfarb. We really appreciate your time. Lee, thank you so much. It was great talking to you again, and uh, I was you all well. Thank you very much. And Rick, I hate to say it, but we are out of time for the show. So on behalf of our producer, Bruce Warner, and Rick Pruce, my co-host in the studio, this is Lee Cohen wishing all of you a great weekend. Across the field where the creek turns back by the old